recorded live in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Trivial Warfare. More than just a pub quiz, Trivial Warfare is your gateway to a worldwide trivia community. Join your hosts, Jonathan. Take these broken wings, it's Mr. Mister. Broken wings. Son of a beasting. Chris. I thought it was about a tree falling. I thought I was talking about a person going down. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Carmella. My vodka is telling me that no, they didn't. And the answer is yes, they were in 1854. You lied to me. Ben. Jonathan was literally, he was literally about to break things. He wasn't kidding. He was about to get it from his desk and destroy something valuable. (laughs) And the rest of the Trivial Warfare Army for another week of fun and games. Now here's your host, Jonathan Oaks. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Trivial Warfare. We are the podcast that takes the pub quiz out of the pub and brings it home to you. My name is Jonathan. Am I in here? And I keep saying, am I in here? That's what I keep am saying. Am I in here? I'm me here. All right. Mjolnir? I am here. Yes, Milner. My name is Jonathan and Milner Ben Young. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my first time recording in the new place. I'm excited about it. What do you think? It's awesome, man. It looks like a trash heap, dude. It it's well, it's a lot more space in here. That's true. It's fancier. It, much fancier. We've got a lot of screens and stuff going on. It's awesome. But I literally have a Stanley's steam cleaner wet dry vac in the middle of the floor in here. Hey man. Bachelor life. Trash heap, dude. Uh, whatever. <laughs> All right. We are here today in house. We have two special guests. We have Tom and Megan Casserly. Let's start with Megan. Megan. Hey, Jonathan. How are you? I'm great. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Awesome. And Tom, welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Jonathan. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So guys, I want to get to know you a little bit better. So Megan, we'll start with you. Why don't you tell everybody where you're from and what you do? I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, but I just recently, like three weeks ago, moved to Gainesville, Florida. Uh, In Cleveland, I was an analyst with Progressive Insurance, but I quit my job about a month ago to go to law school. Oh, okay. So Cleveland to Gainesville, kind of Ohio State country to Florida country? Yeah, but I was never an Ohio State fan. No, you're more of on the Indiana side of things, aren't you? Yeah, I am on the Indiana side of things. So how did that, that, so who's your favorite team? Definitely Notre Dame. Notre Dame. It was in my trivia warfare contract that I have not record with any fighting Irish fans. I don't know if you've read the fine print or not. I didn't know we had a contract. Do I get any benefits from this contract? The benefit is I don't have to record if there's a fighting Irish <laughs> fan in the room. You? Oh, well, I guess I'll see you later. Give me, give, give me the questions and I'll be happy to ask the to questions. Host, to host and to play at the same time? That sounds fair. That doesn't sound fair. That seems totally <laughs> fair to me. Yeah, so, no, she's from Notre Dame, or she's a Notre Damer, dude. Yeah, go blue, so, man. Go blue. <laughs> blue and gold. What? <laughs> what is this gold? This maze. Everybody knows this maze. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so, uh, very cool. Welcome. And so, law school in Gainesville, you're going to be surrounded by Gator fans. I am. Good luck with that. Or at least they share your hatred of Ohio State. Yeah, but they are just obnoxious. They're so annoying. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) I mean, I live here. I'm surrounded by them, and I don't know. All right, so Tom. Yes. Are you also a Notre Dame person? Well, you know, by... 
by association. Relationship, sure, yeah. sure. Spent a lot of time there. So where are you from and what do you do? From the Cleveland area, I was a salesman for a major steel company. Did steel fabrication work for customers. I'm retired now. Would you call yourself a stealer? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's hard not to like the Steelers because they're so successful. Oh, it's not hard not to like them. <laughs> Cleveland hopes to have a pro football team someday. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. They do have a pro basketball team now. At least, they, well, they well, did. They did. They, they, yeah. used, to. Yeah. they used to. <laughs> yeah. Poor Cleveland. Uh, so, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you Thank here. Thank you. Thank you. So, now, this is a... a Father and daughter team up? Yeah. Oh. (sighs) All right. Well, before we get into the game, we have some money to give away. That's right. And uh, I'm ready to do it. So I have three questions that have been submitted by Warheads that were selected. They were selected randomly from a list of all of the captains and above. And so I'm going to read those questions. You guys are going to work on them together. And then you're going to pick your favorite question. All right. And the question that gets the most votes is going to win $400. All right. This is the first official quote-unquote recording in July. Okay. All right. Here we go. Question number one. What movie star had roles in nearly 70 films from 1937 to 1964, only to pass away 40 years later without making another appearance on the silver screen? Hmm. That's a toughie. Oh, I like that. Because if they died 70 years after they started making movies, it probably would have been a child when they started. And 37 is the right range for her. Did she live into the 2000s? I think so. I know she she stopped making movies after a certain... She was a diplomat for some time. She was the ambassador to... I forget where. Oh, okay. I was thinking Cary Grant. Mm. But I think 37 is too late for his start. I think he might have started a little earlier than that. Mm. His last movie was in the 60s. You know, I'm thinking, I don't know why, but 1933 is coming in my mind for Shirley Temple in terms of one of her first movies. So Cary Grant might be a better answer here. I'm good with that. I can't think of anybody else at the moment. Yeah. Let's go with Cary Grant. Correct answer. Ronald Reagan. Oh, good one. You didn't focus on the stopped making movies for 40 years. There's a really obvious reason why he stopped doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Y'all. All right. Question number two. Many people love and enjoy M&Ms every day. We all know they melt in your mouth, not in your hand is the slogan. But what do the M's stand for in M and M? I knew you were going to ask that. I wrote a trivia question a while back that's in this ballpark i think one of them is mars i was gonna say mars too but i don't part know of the, the mars other. brand Ma- mallow Ma- mark i don't know is it two names it might not be two names okay. it might it might be a play on something mars sounds right but i can't think of the other one maybe it's the sea of marmara <laughs> Maybe it's Mara Lago. Mara Mara. Maybe they're W's. Maybe it's Moni Moni. <laughs> W's. It's probably not Mars and Mars, like brothers. No, they weren't brothers. I don't know what the other M is. Mars and something. Mork and Mindy. <laughs> That's, it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. We're locking in Mork and Mindy. <laughs> All right. The correct answer is the last names of the candy's creators. Mars. 
and Murray's. Murray's. Mars and Murray's. All right. And the last question. Violet Jessup was truly one in a million. Known as the Angel of the White Star. That's quote unquote Angel of the White Star. She has a distinction to be one of only two people to have survived three major catastrophes at sea between the years of 1911 and 1916. On which three sister ships did these occur? I need the names of all three ships. I know two of them. Okay. The Titanic and the Britannic. Mm-hmm. Third one? No idea. Oh. I never heard. Is that Britannic or Britannia? I think in Britannic, but okay. it, it could be Britannia. White Star was the, the name of the ship line, wasn't it? Yes. I don't even know Titanic has sister ships. Me neither. Pretty sure it's not the good ship Lollipop. <laughs> I was going to say Titanic, Britannic, and another really poorly designed ship. Bodie McBoatface? Bodie McBoatface. I like that one. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe something like Continental or Atlantic? I like that as a guess, Atlantic. Sure. All right. Locking in Atlantic. Correct answers are the Titanic, the Britannic, and the Olympic. Oh, Olympic. Olympic. Yeah. That sounds right now. She was an ocean liner stewardess and nurse. So she was working on the ships and all three of the White Star ships. Oh, my God. So two of them sank, the Titanic and the Britannic. The Olympic had a couple of crashes. And that's what it's talking about catastrophes, but it did not sink. Okay. It, it went on for 20 years or so. If I were her, I'd be like, I am done with all of this. Really? really? I'm moving to Kansas or like <laughs> Switzerland, <laughs> some interior country with no water. <laughs> What's the farthest you can be from the ocean? Yes. Exactly. What's funny is they call her the angel of the white star. She's lucky she didn't get labeled as the curse of the white star. <laughs> right. <I'm sure. laughs> Every boat she goes on has problems. Right. <laughs> all right, guys. So. I need you guys to make your individual selections. You don't talk to anybody else about what your favorite is. You're going to tell me. So out of question one, which was Ronald Reagan, question two, which was M&M's, or question three, which was the Angel of the White Star, Tom, what was your favorite? I would take number three. Okay. And the reason for that is? I just think it's a good, diverse question. A lot of people would have a chance to answer it, but it comes up with some good discussion. Outstanding. Megan? I like question number one, firstly, because it totally surprised us what the right answer was. And also, if you thought about the dates, maybe you could work your way into it without knowing the answer. All right. We have a question three and a question one. Ben, you can either go on your own or you can be a tiebreaker. I also like question number one. Question number one. all the same reasons that Megan said. All right. That means the winner of $400 is Adam Freed. All right. Congratulations. I will be reaching out to you. By the time you hear this on the air, you will already have your money. All right. That's fun. That's super exciting. I thought, I thought that was a pretty good set of questions overall. You guys mm-hmm. have good sure. questions yeah. to choose from. All right. And now, I think it's time for Warm It Up Chris. It's time to warm it up. A trivial warfare today. And there's only one person who can warm it up for the TWA, and that's Chris, and sometimes Jonathan. This is a sometimes Jonathan today, and today's question comes to us from Craig Albrook. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Craig. 
Uh, there's going to be two here, okay? And Ben, I don't want you to cheat. <laughs> we have a reputation over here, so. <laughs> I have my computer shifted away from Ben. He cannot see my computer. This right. is kind of computer-related questions. Craig says he has a couple of questions. We're going to go through two of them. The first question. I want you to name letters that your fingers rest on when you are typing appropriately. Okay, so if you're following the standard a U.S. keyboard, and your fingers at rest, I want you to tell me what letters we're resting on. Ben, we'll start with you. I know all of these, so I'm going to try to pick the easy ones. So A is one of them. So you want to pick the easy ones to make it harder for everybody else? Yep. Awesome. Thanks, I love ben. your style. <laughs> Megan. S. Tom. L. Ben. D. Megan. F. Tom. K. Ben. Semicolon. I'll let you off the hook. Megan. <laughs> Jay. Jay. All right. We ran through them. All right. Now, the harder question. Also keyboard related. Mm -hmm. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten symbols that are the shift symbols above numbers on the standard U.S. keyboard. I want to see how many of those symbols you can name. And that's why I shifted my keyboard away mm -hmm. from Ben so he can't see them. So from one to zero, that's 10 buttons that all have symbols on them. I want you to name the symbols. Ben, we'll start with you. So one is the exclamation, I almost said apostrophe, exclamation mark. <laughs> that is correct. Also called the exclamation point. Yes, that's correct. I Thanks. I appreciate you letting <laughs> me know I'm correct. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Megan. I'm going to go with the ampersand. Ooh, is that the Symbol is that the, four, uh, the and symbol? Yep. All right. I, I wonder where that got its name. It's mm. a fun little symbol. Know. I use it all the time now because my handwriting's terrible. I'm going to guess <laughs> Great Britain. Probably right. It sounds right. All right, Tom. How about the dollar sign? Dollar sign on the number four. Good job. Ben. Number two has the um, the at symbol, the A with the circle around it. I don't know the formal name. Gonna for need it. the actual name. Of oh it. my God, you need the actual name of that. Okay. No, I'm just it's messing with you. I'm about to say, what, Does it have what is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, Megan, you're up. I'll go with the pound sign. Pound. Uh, above or the, the number hashtag. three. Hashtag pound Octothorpe. The other name for it. Yeah, you could tell she's not a millennial. She call it a pound sign. <laughs> I call it a pound sign too. Yeah. Uh, Tom, how about the open parenthesis? That's correct, Ben. So the obvious one is the closed parenthesis. <laughs> Megan, uh, the carrot. Nice. Over the number six is the carrot. There are one, two answers left. Hmm. Tom, hmm. How about the backslash? Backslash is incorrect, my friend. Ben, was asterisk an answer we gave already? If by asterisk you mean little star? Yes. No, you haven't given that yet. Asterisk, for sure. That is correct. Above the number eight. Good yep. job. Megan, can you close it out? That was my last one I had written down. Oh, no. No, I can't. Oh, no. Tom. No clue. No clue, <laughs> Ben? Uh, Come on, man. Don't leave me hanging. Got to dig deep. I'm I'm trying to think of where they in print they censor out curse words and what they, the symbols they use. To do. <laughs> well, that's ooh, a novel ooh, way of trying ooh, to get ooh, this. Ooh. The wingding. He's got something. Go ahead. How about the percent sign? There we oh, go. Oh yes, 
yes, that was yeah, it. Yes. I'm like, Great man, pool. you're a Six Sigma black belt. You deal with ratios all but day long. But we don't use percent. Come we on, use the, man. the .07 or whatever. Come on. All right, you are correct. That we, you guys wiped them out. You got That's all good. of the questions right. Great nice job. Does everybody feel warmed up? Yeah. I do. Sweet. Very good. Okay, folks, before we get today's game started, I need to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by Water Cooler Trivia. We've been telling you about Water Cooler Trivia all year. Simply put, it's a great game. Every Monday, you and the group that you're signed up with, your group from your office at work, your friends at home, doesn't matter, whoever you've signed up with, will get a quiz emailed to you directly in your inbox. Everyone logs in, they play the game, they submit their answers, and then on Tuesday, you get your results and you see how you did against the group. One of the best things about it is you can customize the game. You can customize the difficulty, whether it's easy, medium, or hard, and you can customize the categories. If the group that you want to play with doesn't really care too much for history, but you love pop culture, you can do that. It's very simple. You just create a group, you answer questions, and you play the game. Just like Trivial Warfare, it's something that makes Mondays suck just a little bit less. And we could all use some of that in our life. So, when you sign up, you can invite as many people as you want, and your first month is free. You don't even have to use a credit card. You, you're just getting it for free. It's awesome. That's four free quizzes once a week. And then after that, you can keep going for just a buck or two a month per person. Not per week, per month. It's a great deal. When you create your group, be sure to use the words Trivial Warfare in the referral section. And that makes you eligible for three free months with a year's subscription. Doing the math is 25% off. Even I can do that math. It's amazing, guys. So be sure to head over to watercoolertrivia.com and sign up using your referral code, Trivial Warfare. All right, let's get the game started. Uh, today's game is going to be Tom and Megan versus Jonathan with Ben hosting. And it's time to play the game. Play us. Oh, yeah. Y'all know what time it is. This is Mr. Literature himself, cordially inviting you to the game. This is six rounds of trivia goodness. Three questions per round. Every right answer gets you 10 points. In the middle, we'll take a pause for the cause and ask a midpoint question worth up to 20 juicy points. After round six, you can wager any or all those points you've been building up and take a shot at the final round. It's a series of theme-based questions we call the gauntlet. It's just that easy, baby. But this game ain't gonna play itself, players. Let's get it on. All right, Ben, take it away. Round one, question one. Your category is literature. Literature. <laughs> Bucket is the last name of what eponymous character first featured in a 1964 novel and later on multiple big screen adaptations. I am locked in. We are too. Yep. We think it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. All right. I can tell you this. This question I will never, ever, ever forget because one time at our local trivia, Bucket was the free answer. Right? They get a free answer where you look it up. Mm -hmm. It's like, what the heck kind of free answer is bucket? So you look up bucket and you just get buckets, right? So it's like, I have no idea what this is. Later on in the game, the question came up, what's the last name of Charlie from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? 
And we missed it because we had absolutely no idea that Bucket could possibly be his last name. Uh, and so we missed, we had the free answer, we had the question, and we weren't smart enough to put those two together. Uh, so I did not make that mistake this time. I also said Charlie from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Correct answer is Charlie. All right, good, good start. Your next uh, category is, this question comes to us from Will Gilbert. Thank you, Will. Thanks, Will. Your category is Ben Murders a Hit. Already? Yes. You warmed up those pipes. (laughs) Awesome. Oh, I'm. I'm, This one is impossible to sing. So, (laughs) well, you gotta sing. You gotta murder it. I'm. I'm gonna murder it by not singing it. That's pathetic. I know. That's a disgrace to the category. Wait. Wait until you hear me sing the the actual answer. It's even worse. (laughs) All right. Name this 1992 song which spent seven weeks at number one. Here are your lyrics. Police, ah, them, ah, they, come and, ah, they, blow down, me door, one E, come crawl, true, true, my window. Wow. So, police, ah, them, ah, they come and, ah, they blow down, me door. One e come crawl true through my window. <laughs> Those are your lyrics. Come through my window, <laughs> the police are at the door. You know what? I I'm never gonna get it from the lyrics, but I think I've got a vibe. Okay, and I'm gonna go ahead and lock in. All right. Have a clue, Megan? Not really. Nothing. The only thing I can think of, I think, is too early. Like. The Banana Boat song, something like that, like a Caribbean rhythm vibe. Sure. But I really have Why no not? idea. Why not? You want to lock it in? Yeah, let's lock it in. All right. We're locking in the Banana Boat song. All right. All right. So, like I said, I don't have a clue in terms of reading the lyrics and, and mm-hmm. comprehending them, but there was a pseudo reggae white guy who was like a rapper reggae white guy, and his lyrics were super fast. And 1992 is about the right time for this guy named Snow and the song Informer. So I said Informer. All right. Your correct answer is Informer. Good job, John. Never would have got that. So I, let me tell you, I was researching this, and I actually had the YouTube video up with the lyrics in front of it. Still I could imagine. not rap it with the lyrics in front of me. And I'm a rapper. I'm like, oh, no, this is this is insane. <laughs> He's speaking in tongues. Oh, my God. That's what's happening. Yeah, it was it's intense, man. Yeah, no, so the, the Oz and that kind of stuff led me to reggae <laughs> vibe. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, uh, you know what, 1992, I know this song. Let's just guess. Yeah, the, the the true true my window was a big clue there from a Caribbean standpoint because people from that region, if it's a T H R, the H is completely solid. They don't pronounce mm. it at all. Exactly. Yeah. Oh right, right. Your last question in the round is in movie franchises. All right. What actor played a minor part in the Dirty Harry franchise, a memorable one in the Batman franchise? then went on to co-star in a definitively lowbrow franchise of his own. Hmm. Man, this is, this is interesting. I'm trying to pick it apart with the, with the pieces of information that you gave. And 
the fact that there were multiple Batman franchises is making it is a challenge because I don't know if you mean the first or the second set. I can narrow that as a clue if you both want it. If you're open to it, I'm open to it. <laughs> we are yeah, totally sure, we're clueless. Um, so this would be the earlier movie fr- Batman movie franchise. Okay. Okay. I'm going to lock in. I think I, I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'm cool with it. But I do have a guy that meets two of the qualifications. So I'm locked in. All right. All right. So uh, we've tossed around a lot of names. One name that came to me originally was maybe Robert Nero from uh, like the Meet the Parents franchise, but my dad says he was not in Dirty Harry. Uh, I've never so. seen Dirty Harry. It's hard to think of people over in the Dirty Harry franchise that didn't die, <laughs> but uh, other than Clint Eastwood. You mean already dead? I think Harry Gardino played like the lieutenant, but I can't picture him in Batman. Yeah, so so a name that... I think we're maybe settling on is Val Kilmer. I can't really... I don't really... know if he was in Dirty Harry, though. I can't... Yeah. Unless very early in his career. Yeah, possible. I think that's the best thing we've got. So... Why not? We're going to lock in with Val Kilmer. All right. So, I couldn't attack it from the Dirty Harry perspective because I don't know enough about Dirty Harry. The more I think about it, the more I think I might be right, though. Because I'm pretty good at Batman. And the early Batman... Um, first movie like Michael Keaton or Billy D. Williams or Jack Nicholson. And the second one, the only person you're really adding to that mix would be Danny DeVito. But then you get into the really bad uh, middle of the 90s part of that first franchise and you hit the one with with, uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey as the Riddler. And when I hit Jim Carrey as the Riddler, Uh I thought Ace Ventura is totally lowbrow, so is Dumb and Dumber, so it could have been either of those. And then... Jim Carrey could totally have gotten his start as like a thug or as a perp in a Dirty Harry movie. So I said Jim Carrey. All right. Um, The big clue there was definitely lowbrow franchise. I was referring to Dumb and Dumber, and your answer is Jim Carrey. All right. He actually played a rock and roll star who was killed off in the first like five minutes of one of the Dirty Harry movies. Really? It was was, one of his first roles. mm -hmm. It was was the last one. Very good, John. He was doing a music, it starts with, a, he was doing a music video and he was lip syncing Welcome to the Jungle with yeah, a exactly. mannequin and her head was spinning around. <laughs> it was <just> so funny. <laughs> All right, that's the end of the first round. Jonathan has 30, Tom and Megan have 10, 30 to 10. Your second round opens with a question from Matt Bowers. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Matt. And your category is 24. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not that kind of Bowers. No, not that Bower? No. Your category is sports regrets. Oh, I have a few. (laughs) So do I. The Portland Trailblazers had the number one pick in the NBA draft, in the 1984 NBA draft, and to this day are criticized for not selecting Michael Jordan. Houston picked second in that draft, but were not criticized for passing on Jordan due to their selection of what would be Hall of Famer. I don't know for sure, but it's as good as I'm going to get, so I'm locked in. All right. I think it's Akeem Olajuwon. I defer to your okay. knowledge. We'll lock in with that. <laughs> She's like, All right. I don't want any part of that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I can't remember who the first one was, but 
Olajuwon, I feel like, has the right time frame, and he's definitely one of the greatest players of all time. So I said Hakeem Olajuwon as well. All right. Portland actually picked, I believe it was Sam Bowie, number oh, one. Oh, that's right. A huge bust. Lynn Bias's yeah, yeah. name keeps coming to mind for me, but that's not related. Yeah, that, that's another interesting story. That's a story. totally different story, though. Yeah, it's pretty. He, was all, he also went number one to the Celtics a couple years later. The correct answer is Hakeem Olajuwon. Nice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Your second question in the round is four-letter words. Uh, I know a lot of those, dude. <laughs> I do, too. I say probably more of them than I should. Really? <laughs> like, like, um, like cake. Cake. <laughs> Fork. What four-letter word is used to describe excessive bloodshed as well as a triangular piece of material inserted in a garment to give it greater width or desired shape? When you say excessive bloodshed, do you mean like excessive bloodshed in a movie or do you mean somebody's bleeding profusely? How do you mean that? When you look at the Merriam-Webster's def- definition of this word, one of the definitions is bloodshed or excessive bloodshed. Okay. We can lock in. We're locked in. All right. So the only thing that I've come up with so far is gash. And gash is a word that's not, to me, that doesn't, isn't defined as excessive bloodshed. That's more about the type of wound. And that's where I'm really struggling because everything I'm coming up with, coming up with is a type of wound, but not actually the bloodshed itself, right? I have no idea on the fashion part of it, but I love that that's in there. I don't have anything better than gash, so I'm going to say gash. All right. All right. I came at this from the clothing angle, and I think in a piece of clothing that you need movement in, you put a vent into it. So we locked in with vent. That is an interesting answer. All right. I could also have put in here, what is WWE wrestler Rhino's finishing move? Gore. Gore is gore. Oh, gore. I was so close. Oh, I was right there. So I think the connection, these are actually connected because one of the original definition examples that I saw was when you think about the tip of a spear, is it is triangular. And, and oh. that's, so the connection is that you gore people with a spear, but it's also what you would use to mm-hmm. a triangular shape for a sail or a shirt or something like that. I think a vent might be like a notch, actually, in a piece of clothing. Right. Uh, okay. Your last question in the round comes to us from David Raffetto. Thank you, David. Your category is politics. Oh, boy. The 1978 Camp David Accords were signed by Jimmy Carter, Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Begin, B-E-G-I-N. I think it's Begin. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't practice my pronunciations beforehand. And also were signed by Anwar Sadat, S-A-D-A-T, who was president of what country? I think I can lock... And we're locked yeah, in. Yeah, we're too. locked in too. Oh, well, I guess I'll talk. If I know this story correctly, and I think I do, this was hailed on in the West as being a really great measure, but the, the folks in the East, Middle East in particular, think that Sadat overstepped his bounds, and in particular, the religious fanatics in the Middle East declared a jihad against him, and he was assassinated. Yes. And uh, I believe he was the leader of Egypt at the time. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we also locked Egypt. in with Egypt. Correct answer is Egypt. And did I did I have most of that right? Yes. All right. Very cool. Okay. End of the end of the round. End of the round. Score is fifty for Jonathan to thirty for Megan and Tom. 
All right. Your third round begins with the uh, Million Dollar Man's favorite category. Money, 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 money. Everybody has a price. Yep. (laughs) Everybody's got a price. (laughs) 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 He's got that evil villain. Oh, he's amazing. amazing. All right. The one, W-O-N, is the national currency of what country? I can already tell you I have no idea. I know a few. I can name decent. I'm decent. I'm not terrible at currencies. I don't know this one. Any idea? I have some thoughts, but uh, I don't think Jonathan's <laughs> locked in yet. I'm not. No. Ah. All right. I'm locked in with my wrong answer. Okay. Well, I'd suggested North or South Korea, but do you think not? My instinct is maybe somewhere farther south. So I had suggested Singapore. I don't have a great reason for that, but... That's good with me. Just, I don't have a clue either. So we'll lock in with Singapore. All right. So I thought about it. I thought definitely Oriental. I don't think it's Vietnam. I couldn't place Korea, but I felt like if it was South Korea. I would have heard of it. I'm really nervous about North Korea. Uh, eventually, I was just throwing darts at a dartboard, and I came up with Bangladesh. Okay. Your correct answer is the headquarters for Samsung as well as Hyundai. Your answer is South Korea. Dad, gum it! I just said that I thought I would have heard of it if it was South Korea. Why do you have to contradict me like that, Ben? <laughs> the truth contradicted you, John. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, at right. least we both missed it. All right. Your third round, second question is in the Bible. All right. So cue up all of your interesting church stories if you have them. According to Galatians, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance are collectively known as what? I'm locked in. So I have two thoughts. I think it could be the fruits of the Holy Spirit. There's also another term that's a, a similar list that I am not coming up with right now. It's not Beatitudes, And it's not the Beatitudes that's in one of the Gospels. I think the best thing we have at this point is the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I'll defer to your Notre Dame education. (laughs) (laughs) Can you read that list one more time for me? Yes. According to Galatians, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance are collectively known as what? I feel good about fruits of the Holy Spirit because those all, all sound like things that are the result of, I don't know, being a prayerful person. So we'll lock in with fruits of the Holy Spirit. All right. I also said fruits of the Spirit. Okay. Correct answer, R, is the fruit of the Spirit. Fun fact, you're predictable. <laughs> I'm predictable? <laughs> yes, How you. So? You've asked the reverse of that question as a midpoint before, like two years ago or something like that. I thought it sounded familiar. Yeah, where where he said the fruits of the spirit, there are seven fruits of the spirit, name them. I do remember asking it, though. But, you know, you can never have enough fruit of the spirit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Your last question in the round comes to us from David Connors. Thank you, David. And because it's been... And it's right before the midpoint. Your category is, I was told there would be no math. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All right. Against the mechanical engineer, Ben? <laughs> I Good. studied math, too. 
Oh, boy. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> this, I'm just going to read the question. <laughs> also known for introducing the pre-existing plus sign to England, Welsh mathematician Robert Record, R-E-C-O-R-D-E, created what symbol in 1557? All right, I'm locked in. Well, there's a lot of possibles for that one. Yeah, so we've got the equal sign, we've got the multiplication sign, the division sign written down as options. Um, I would tend to think that an equal sign would have been a concept earlier, but perhaps writing division kind of a long ways with the division sign in between could have been a new concept by then. I don't know. It's uh, I haven't heard this one before. I suppose we shouldn't have bragged about our math credentials. <laughs> <laughs> now use this sign to solve for this equation. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that we could do. <laughs> We're going to lock in with the division sign. All right. Gosh, if I had thought of the equal sign, I probably would have gone with that. I really would have. But I didn't, so I went with the one that looks the most like a plus sign, and I said the division sign. Well, correct answer is the equal sign. Oh, my. As soon as you said the equal sign, I said, oh, I think that's right. He gave them the plus, and when a number plus a number does what, he had to give them the equal sign in order for there to be an end to that statement. Yep. That makes so yep. much sense. Yep. As soon yeah, as he, you said it, I was like, oh. He, act, he created the symbol as a form of shorthand because he got tired of writing is equal to over and over again. I bet he did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, score check. All right, at the end of the third round, Jonathan has 60. Megan and Tom have 40. It is 60 to 40. Midpoint question comes to us from Adam Go, And your category is science. 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 There are 14 elements on the periodic table represented by a single letter. So, for example, vanadium is represented by a V. So, for two points each, name 10 of the remaining 13 elements. So, is there an opportunity for any bonus points here? Nah, I don't think so. I don't see why not. If you got to list them out anyway. It's whatever you want to do, man. Yeah, dude, give them a po- like one, one, one point. point. Yeah. Okay. So, if you can... You know, for each additional one above 10, you get an additional bonus point. Do you want just the letters or you want the full name of the element? Oh, you got to give me the Oh, yeah, it's got to be the name of the element now. Come on. A, B, C, D, right. E, F, G. <laughs> Actually, that's a really good strategy, Ben. I'm going to go ahead and see if that helps me out. It does. How about that? That was super useful. Thank you, Ben. You're welcome. Hmm. I'm running into situations where it's like, okay, I know that's an element. I know that starts with this letter. That could be right. But there's another element that I know I'm not thinking of that could also be right. I think I had this as a midterm in chemistry class in college. Nice. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all right, I'm locked in. All right. All right, we are locked in We're as locked well. in, too. Are you just waiting for me to say it? <laughs> no, we've been still <laughs> talking about We're a few We're deciding of them. on one last one. There's a couple on the bubble. All right. So rather than us both listing out the whole list, why don't you guys do your list, and I will tell you if I have the same, and then I'll say anywhere where I was different. Okay. Sounds okay. good. So uh, I will mention that my first major in college was chemistry, so... What? Like, really? For sure, really? <laughs> For sure, really. Uh, so this was 
A great question to have. We have sulfur. Well, that's a starting point for me to be wrong. <laughs> Oxygen. I got that one. Boron. I got that one. Potassium. Yes. Hydrogen. Yes. Magnesium. Yes. Fluorine. Yes. Carbon. Yes. Nitrogen. Yes. Phosphorus. No. Tungsten. Yes. Iodine. Yes. And then the last one, we were debating between titanium and zinc. We're going to choose titanium. Okay. So the ones where I said yes, we had the same answer. I'm not going to read through them again. I can tell you that the places where I was different, I guessed argon, even though I think it's AR. Uh, I guessed uranium, and I guessed, and I guessed xenon. No, I think you might be right with uranium. So uh, I had everything the same as you, except for those three: argon, uranium, and xenon. So Ben, you read your list of the correct answers, and we will figure out what our scores are. All right. So I can tell you right now, magnesium is MG. Ah, correct answer. I was fighting on magnesium or manganese, but I think manganese is MN. MN. Yep. Yep. All right. So. In alphabetical order, your correct answers are boron. You're a boron. Boron. You're you're boron. (laughs) Carbon. Fluorine. Hydrogen. Iodine. Nitrogen. Oxygen. Phosphorus. Potassium. Sulfur. Uranium. Sorry, I should have said tungsten first, but uranium, tungsten, and yttrium, Y-T-T-R-I-U-M. I thought that was Y-T. So 10 of them were worth two points each, and then anything above that was worth one point each. Yep. I managed to get 10 right. Awesome. I think we got 11. All right. So you got 21 points, and I got 20 points. How's that uh, chemistry major feeling for you now? (laughs) Some doofus like me can end up with 20 points. (laughs) But they were all juicy. (laughs) Those were extremely juicy points. I'll tell you this. Writing out all the letters of the alphabet and then like checking them off as I went, that made it so much easier as opposed Mm -hmm. to just trying to think of the words. Mm -hmm. Big difference maker there. Glad I unintentionally helped you there. All right. Score check. Score check after the midpoint. The score is 80 to 61. All right, that is the end of the first half. And before we go on to the second half, I want you to know that today's show is sponsored by HelloFresh. You know, recently I've been sharing with you guys that I've turned down requests for advertising by different companies because I saw their product, I didn't believe in it, I didn't work the way promised, etc., right? I've never had to worry about that with HelloFresh. They are our longest-running advertiser, and the reason is clear. They're just a darn good company. HelloFresh is the meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes with pre-measured ingredients directly to your door. This isn't just any old food, either. Each box has fresh reasonably obtained ingredients that are carefully selected. How are they selected? Carefully selected from farms and high-rated trusted sources. What does that mean? A, it means you're getting fresh food. It's not just part of the name. It's really fresh food. It's high quality. And there's something to be said about high quality in today's day and age. 
It makes a difference when you're using quality ingredients and there's something there to tell you how to do it. You know, cookbooks aren't always great. They pictures online. Oh, there's so many different things. You never know if the recipe's any good until you try it. Guys, these are ready to go. You can feel fully confident because you have simple recipes. And I mean that. They are simple. I can follow them, so they can't be hard, right? They have pictures on the cards, step by step by step. It's easy. Hi, so, so far, we have high quality and we have easy. Stick with me. There's more. It's fast. Okay, high quality, easy, fast. Because you're not spending all night in the kitchen. These things, these recipes are simple. They only take like 30 minutes. One of the things that I cooked recently that was fantastic was a roasted pork tenderloin. First of all, I felt like a boss because I was cooking tenderloin on a bed of diced potatoes and zucchini with a little slash of lemon, some seasoning in there. Y'all, it was so good. I actually, I was proud of it. You know, it's I was like, oh, look what I can do. HelloFresh gives me that ability. They can give you that ability too. You can get delicious filling meals delivered right to your door every single week for less than 10 bucks a serving. And it's free shipping. Here's how you do it. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com forward slash TWA30 and use the promo code TWA30. And then you can start cooking your own pork tenderloins and feel the same way I did. Remember, $30 off your first box, HelloFresh.com forward slash TWA30 and enter the promo code TWA30. All right, let's get back to the second half of today's game. All right, your fourth round comes to us from Brandon Buckner. The whole thing. Right, the whole thanks, thing. Brandon. The whole right, round. Okay, Brandon. These better be good. She's using a whole round. <laughs> All right, your first question from Brandon is in true crime. What world-famous 20th century murder trial saw the debut of forensic botany used as evidence in a criminal case? I am going to lock in. Hmm. Forensic botany. So the first world famous murder trial from the 20th century I can think of would be the O.J. Simpson trial. But botany? Mm hmm. Hmm. Can you think of any cases where there was um, you know, a garden involved or there was the glove? Midnight in the garden of good and evil. <laughs> that just popped in my head, yeah. <laughs> Was there something in the Lindbergh case where they found the child's body in a wooded area? It's certainly possible. I'm good with that as an answer. I don't have any thunder behind O.J. Simpson. You want to go with that? Yeah. The Lindbergh case. All right. So I came up with one answer and I stopped there. I, I, I know I wasn't going to get it from the clues in the question. But there are clues in the question asker sometimes. And so I'm hoping that because I know Ben, that he would have gone with a question about the O.J. Simpson case. So I said the O.J. Simpson case. All right. The correct answer is the Lindbergh baby trial. Is it really? Yes. All right. Good job. Nice work, Dad. There was something found on the body, some kind of flower. No, actually. Something. No, this is really cool. 
because I think it was like a delivery driver found the body. He had stopped to relieve himself on the side of the road and saw the body in the woods. And they were able to trace, I think, different things back to the, the killer at his apartment. The killer had like a bunch of the ransom money that he had gotten. They had marked the bills and they found a, a slat or a piece of wood. I think that was part of the floorboard in his house. It actually was an exact match to the wood that was used to build the ladder that he used to climb up and kidnap the baby. Hmm. It really is it's fascinating. A very interesting story. One for the good guys. He built his own ladder. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. It was, it was hardcore, man. All right. Your second question is in film. All right. What iconic American actor co-founded the aptly named Sundance Film Festival? I might have just had a slumdog moment. I am locked in. All right. We're locked into. So what are you thinking? We're thinking Robert Redford. Sundance, the kid from the uh, movie with Paul Newman, Paul Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. All right. So in the last game, we had a question about um, what, what was it? It was uh, what outlaw, part of the Wild Bunch, uh, was named Harry Lungabar, Langenbar, or something like that. And I missed it. But uh, Chris and Pate got it right. And they guessed the Sundance Kid. Hmm. And Carmela went on to tell us that Robert Redford played him in a movie, and it was a Sundance Kid. And so I knew Robert Redford played the Sundance Kid, and so you're asking about the Sundance Film Festival, bada bing, bada boom. I said Robert Redford. Correct answer is Robert Redford. Man, that's 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 literally something I would have missed at 10 a.m. this morning. Hmm. Well, well, how cool is that? Pretty darned cool. One thing I remember about Redford, it, it was kind of in passing. They were actually talking about the Superman movies. And they were trying to figure out who they were going to cast as Superman, the original Superman movies. And the original thought was to get a big name at the time, right? Because that's what people do. But they were like, can you can you really imagine Robert Redford flying around? That'd like, be the worst <laughs> thing ever. That's as bad as Nick Cage. <laughs> yes. No, it couldn't be as bad as Nick Cage. <laughs> no, the it's, idea. It's the idea. The idea, yeah. And that's when they decided they wanted a new face. And, and that's where Christopher Reeve, that they started searching and Christopher Reeve ended up getting that. Role. That was a good choice. They surely, that movie would have flopped big time with Robert Redford as the lead. Yeah, it would have been bad. It would, what, are you going to dye his hair? <laughs> is he going to look like Robert Redford? Your last question around is in serial killers. Seriously? You went from the Lindbergh baby to serial killers? What's on, do I need to scoot over? What's on your mind today? You're going to find out when I read the question. Man. All right, y'all ready? ready? No. I'm just messing sure. All right. I got nowhere else to be. All right, so category serial killers. Ben has killed many lucky charms in his heyday. <laughs> but they are completely different today. Which of the eight current lucky charms shapes has remained unchanged since its origin in nineteen sixty four? They're all different except for Except for one. one. There's only one that has remained completely unchanged since 1964. Uh, you know what? I'm going to guess, and I don't have any reason to guess something else. I'm locked in. All right. Well, they have what? Stars? Hearts. Um, I think there's a diamond shape. Diamond shape. Uh, shamrocks. Mm-hmm. And shamrocks seems like the most obvious one to stay consistent, given the the... 
kind of leprechaun theme of the cereal. Yeah, they'd have to lay him off if they got rid of the shamrock. <laughs> right. <laughs> and didn't you guys have that for breakfast every day at Notre Dame? Mm, maybe. <laughs> I think uh, I think we'll lock in with shamrock. Yep. All right. I said green clover for the exact same reason. All right. Your correct answer is pink hearts. Really? <laughs> the wow. green clover was changed to a leprechaun hat for one year, and then they switched it right back to green clovers. Because leprechaun hat was stupid. <laughs> wow. You might as well have done a yellow pot of gold if you're going to go that way. wonder what that looked like in the cereal. couldn't look like a hat. I'll tell you what it looked like. It looked stupid. <laughs> it looked dumb. So what does dumb taste like? Let me go taste Lucky Charms. <laughs> dumb sure. tastes like a leprechaun hat looks in the cereal. Um, so there's this place I visited. I had a friend, uh, a good friend from high school who lives in Philadelphia. And uh, I visited her during 4th of July like 10 years ago. And she was taking me to all the different places she considered to be cool. So we went to, you know, the muse- museum there. We, you know, we went to like a bunch of different places. And we went over to what they call University City, which is where like you got Villanova. There's like 10 universities in like a two square mile radius. And there was this little restaurant called Cereality. And all they serve is breakfast cereal. But it's every single breakfast cereal you can imagine. Any topping you can think. They had fresh fruit, chocolate chips. You could get chocolate milk 2% milk soy any type of milk you wanted it was just insane all Sounds of like the, fun all the cashiers wore pajamas like that was their that was a <laughs> I would uniform be completely overwhelmed in this place i would i would never order anything <laughs> it took a long time for oh me oh my god fortunately the line was long enough that i had enough time to think about what i wanted by the time i got to the front how much cereal do you get just a bowl? They actually serve it. It looks like the um, the Chinese takeout bo- little boxes. They, they serve it in that. And then you put however much milk you want in Because I can max out like a whole box of, of cereal at one time if I'm hungry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'll yeah, eat two like bowls a, of cereal and I'll look down. There's like a half a bowl left in there. I'm like, dang. Yeah, if you think about like a quart size box, I think it was like $9 or something for Golly. whatever. And you, and you can mix and match the cereals. So I think I had like... Like tricks and lucky charms mixed together or something. It was something so ridiculous. You had tricky charms. Yeah, it was tricky charms. It was good too. But the milk was blue. I didn't want to drink the milk afterwards. It kind of freaked me out a little bit. Really? <laughs> yeah. I tell you, college is not what it was when we went. There's a place in Gainesville called Midnight Cookies that will deliver you cookies and milk. Oh my god! At midnight? <laughs> but they don't open until like 10 p.m. So clearly, it's for the drunk people. I <laughs> would have. Ma- I, I would weigh 800 pounds <laughs> if that was around when I was in college. Because right? literally, the pizza places would close at like 11, and then you were doomed. Right. right. Oh, why they, that, was that at Mississippi State? Yeah. Why are they close so early? Like people, clearly people are up late. Because farmers go to bed, Ben. Oh, farmers go to bed. But I think near the campus, you think there'd be like like we had a place called Gumby's. They were delivering to like two, three o'clock in the morning. There is a the waffle pizza house. was terrible. There was a waffle house. Yeah, but if you're drunk, you can't get there. <laughs> but the campus is like you have the campus, which is there, and then everything else is small farm stuff. So it's like more remote than Gainesville. Yeah, well, Starkville. Starkville is smaller than Gainesville yeah. by far. Yeah, for sure. All right, tight game, guys. After the fourth round, it is ninety to eighty-one. Jonathan, that's a nine-point lead. Mm, watch t- me, watch me lose <laughs> by that one point that I generously said, "Yeah, we can do extra credit." <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, your fourth round begins with a category in music. Music. Fourth round. Oh yeah, there fifth, we go. Fifth. You don't have to be shy about it. You it can go for round? it. Fifth round. Fifth round, dude. Where are you? I don't know. All right. In 1967, 
what R&B slash soul singer became the first person to have a posthumous single reach number one on a U.S. chart? And for two bonus points, name the song. Now, I do want to clarify. The single was released after the artist passed away. Okay, so it wasn't like it was out there and then he died and then it went to number one. It was released after he passed away. R&B soul singer. Yes. There were no R&B charts back then. So this went to this was the hot 100. This is the hot 100. Yep. We're locked in. Okay. I'm struggling. So the R&B soul singer that comes to mind that passed away early is Marvin Gaye. But I don't feel like Marvin Gaye died in 1967. I feel like he was around in the 70s doing duets and whatnot. The 60s, I mean, 1967, that, the Beatles are still a thing, right? This is, this yep. is early in the, in the rock and roll R&B vibe. So the Motown, you would th- okay, you would think, I would think that R&B and soul would be coming out of Motown in the 60s. And Motown started in the mid-ish 60s, I believe. The Big Bopper, Richie Valens, and Buddy Holly don't fit the category, don't fit the description. I mean, uh, Chuck Berry doesn't fit. I do not think that it's Marvin Gaye, but I can't think of a better name. So I'm going to guess my wrong answer of Marvin Gaye. You taking a shot at the bonus at all? Oh, um, uh, let's say what's going on. Okay. Okay, so 67 is when I graduated from high school. And uh, there were a lot of rockers that died right around that time. But um, the first one that I recall hitting me upside the head was a guy by the name of Otis Redding, who had a song called Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. We're going to lock in with that. Okay. So your correct answer is Otis Redding. And the song was Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, Wasting Time. Yeah, that so sucked. That sucked. <laughs> so How did I, he die? I don't remember. Plane crash. Plane crash. Okay. Yep. Um, oh, I love that song. He too. was only 26 years old. It's really just amazing. Like, man, like how big of a star would he have been if he had lived? He would have been huge. Okay. He would have been Marvin Gaye. Yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. Who didn't die into the 80s, by the way? So, I didn't think yeah. he did. Yeah. Sam Sam Cooke around that time, though, right? I was thinking about mm-hmm. Sam Cooke, but yep. shot by a jealous boyfriend, I think. Or you were talking about walk, Sam Cooke? Or? Yeah. Did somebody walk in on him? I don't. I don't know the story on Sam Cooke. I, I know Marvin Gaye was killed by Marvin Gaye was shot by his father. I don't know the story on Sam Cooke. Do you? Uh, so, Sam Cooke' cause of death was gunshot wound, nineteen sixty four. Oh, earlier, okay. He was hugely talented. Um, also. three times in the chest by the motel's manager, Bertha Franklin. Hmm. Authorities ruled Cooke's death a case of justifiable homicide based on the testimony of Miss Franklin, who claimed that Cooke threatened her life after attempting to rape a young woman with whom he earlier checked in with. Mm-hmm. 1964. I wonder what the race of the hotel manager was. That would probably be pretty critical. There. No idea. Um, oh, I was going to say something. Her, her name was Bertha. That leads me towards African-American. <laughs> <laughs> um, so actually, my first time, so two facts about this. 
the first time I really remember, because I was born in 78. So the first time I really remember hearing, well, there you go. Yep. She's African-American. Yep, with, undoubtedly. <laughs> There's no <laughs> doubt. There's no doubt. Um, the first time I heard sitting on the dock of the bay was actually adaptation they did for Hire's Root Beer. You know, sitting on the dock of the bay sipping Hire's or something. Wow. I think I, think I remember that commercial, yes. And um, the second fun fact is Otis Redding also, I think he was the first person to release Respect before Aretha Franklin did it. I think I that think was Otis did. Redding. And he also, I think, was the guy that did... Um, um, hot to handle. Hey, little thing, let me light your candle, cause mama, I'm so sure hot to handle now. Yes, I am. Did he really? I know that's an early song. I think it's an Otis Redding song. Wow. I hope all that's correct. Who had the hit with that? The one that's Black, Black was made huge in the late eighties or nineties. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think ninety one, maybe ninety something like that. Let me look that up because I don't want chimes. No, no, that's that's solid. <laughs> it's it's definitely around the nineteen ninety area. No, no, no. I'm talking about who did it originally. Why are you going around talking about stuff you don't know, babe? It was it was written by Otis Redding, and I'm pretty sure he recorded it too. Yep, song by Otis Redding, but it wasn't released until '68. So I guess he recorded that one right before he died too. All right, I didn't want chimes. Your second question around is in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't always get what you want, Ben. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I, I try to convince my wife of that all the time. Oh, whoa, oh, oh. It's all right. I'll just be broke. It's all right. She's happy and I'm broke. It's all right. We, we make it work. All right. Your second question around is in TV. What TLC reality show features surgeon Dr. Yunan Nelzardin, who Ben refers to as a Gordon Ramsay of medicine? I don't know, but I'm locked in anyway. All right. So is there like a plastic surgery reality show or gotta be botox or something like that bodie mcbotox <laughs> if there is i don't <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't know what it would be called i don't know maybe it's just called plastic something like that uh, that's as good as i can guess <laughs> we're locking in with plastic all right i guessed my 500 pound life i'm hoping he's like a gastric surgeon all right Dr. Zaldin is a bariatric surgeon, and he stars on the show My 600-Pound Life. Oh, <laughs> You were so close. You were only 100 pounds off. Why would you choose 600 instead of 500? Most, know, all his patients are 600 plus. He, he actually has been dealing with, uh, what is the term, super morbidly obese patients? I think that's the correct term. His entire career has been devoted to it because most doctors won't take anyone that's over a certain weight limit because they don't have the equipment to help. Right. Them. Yeah, that stinks. That that was my chance to take the lead back. Your last question in the round is in games and geography. Gamography. <laughs> All right. In Texas Hold'em, each player is dealt two cards face down, followed by five community cards that are gradually drawn face up. A similar poker version that uses four face-down cards instead of two is known by what geographical name? I'm locked in. We're locked in also. We'll talk it out. Sometimes play Texas Hold'em online, but they have options for other games. One of the games I've seen and never played is called Omaha. So I'm guessing that that might be the, the game. All right. Omaha! Omaha! <laughs> Peyton Manning loved this thing. 
Uh, yeah, um, I said Omaha. You stole my thunder there. Correct answer is Omaha. After the fifth round, you guys have 103. I have 100. It's 103 to 100 because of 100 pounds. <laughs> okay. Your sixth round category begins with a question in art. In 2013, what artist broke the record for the most expensive work by a living artist sold at auction? And for two bonus points, the $58 million bid was placed on a sculpture of what specific object? Wow. Mm. Wow. I literally have no idea. I can't even name a living sculptor. The only sculptures that I'm aware of in the modern era are the horrifically comedic sculptures of Ronaldo and Brandy Chastain. Uh, Brandy Chastain was being honored by the Soccer Hall of Fame, and her bust was just atrocious. It looked, it didn't even look human. And Ronaldo, Ronaldo's was just hilarious looking. Uh, those are the only things that I can even think of from a sculpture perspective. So this is not going to bode well for me. You know what? I'm not even going to waste time. I, I can't name a current sculpture. So I have to um, tap out so you guys can talk freely. Yeah, we're about on the same plane you are. Yeah, I, I remember this happening. I don't remember the sculpture or the object. We're going to lock in with a probably wrong guess of I am pay. And uh, the object is a hat. All right. That's an expensive hat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you think that's expensive, you need to check out Jeff Koons, who is the correct answer to this question. And he he made a sculpture of a balloon dog. Balloon dog. A balloon dog sold for millions? Well, because it's made out of metal, I think it is. And? What kind of stupidity is this? I don't know. It, it, it looks amazing, though. Really? Oh, it's big. Yeah. They're human. And he's made like a bunch of them in different colors. All right. That is pretty cool looking. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's pretty cool looking. He's made them in orange, red, uh, blue. He's made them in a bunch of different colors. I got the blues so bad. Sometimes I wish I was dead. There's another, there's another way to see how big it is. All right. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty cool stuff. They're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I have seen the Ronaldo one you talked about. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. There, there's also a Lucille Ball one that's similar. Really? It's really bad. Why do people keep commissioning this artist? <laughs> the Lucille Ball one they replaced. They replaced. They replaced both of the others too. I don't know. Is is it is, is that sculptor like Ice JJ? I think Fish, it's like the same like, guy. <laughs> like we just want to see how bad you can do it. What I want to know is why do they have a bust of Lucille Ball at the Soccer Hall of Fame? No, no, not at the Soccer Hall. <laughs> <laughs> she was a closet fan. Uh, ben, I just want you to know. After I pass away, if anybody's interested, I'd love a statue of me somewhere. Just put the put that down for the record, okay? Okay. I'll- I'll see what I can do about it. Yeah, that. I appreciate it. Now, I, I assume it won't be good because we ain't got a lot of money. <laughs> but, but. If you put a, hey, look, it just depends on how much you put in the trust for me to pay for that thing. You know, you, if you put like $400 in there, then good luck with you. Perhaps a balloon animal instead. Maybe. Or we can, or we can sculpt it out Jonathan of Jonathan Oaks Memorial balloon animal. <laughs> we can sculpt it out of your favorite food. That might be pretty interesting. I remember what my favorite food is. I'd settle for uh, the action figure. Yeah, that's true. You know, you keep saying that, that it wouldn't sell. I mean, it would be, it would be a waste of money, but that would be fun. We, I'm sure there's somebody in the army that either can make them or know somebody that can make them. All we right. We need to arrange that. Army, 
if uh, if anybody has tie-ins to action figure manufacturing, Tom is requesting the creation of Trivial Warfare action figures. I can tell you this, they cannot scale to life size. <laughs> I don't need some wide waddling action figure of me, right? So what we want to do is take like GI Joe size. Take like no, take like the wrestling action figures with go. all the muscles and then create a head for them. That's and all we really need. I'm going to recommend probably somebody like a Dustin Rush to like do to, to like do draw the drawings for us because <laughs> he'll he'll do us justice. <laughs> he did pretty good. He did. Uh, I stopped mm-hmm. using that as my banner. Uh, the only problem with that banner, by the way, and I feel a little bit bad for it, but it's too cool not to use, is Carmela's face gets cut off because my profile picture sits where her face would be. Uh, on if you look at the banner on mm-hmm. my home, on my Facebook page. Yeah, uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it is. I, if Carmela, that's not a slight to you. I want you to know that. All right. We'll figure out how to fix that. I would much rather cut off Ben's face. Yeah, that's true. I'm just a voice. I'm not a face. Your second question in the round uh, comes to us from Summer Johnson. Thanks, Summer. And the category is literature. Literature. Mark David Chapman, the man who shot John Lennon, was carrying what controversial fiction novel when he was arrested? John Hinckley Jr. also cited the novel's inspiration. All right. I don't know this for a fact. And there's plenty of other things it could be. But I wrote down an answer because it floated past my mind. And it had no reason to be in there. So maybe it's right. And I've locked in. All right. Any ideas, Megan? I know that I've heard this fact. And it is just escaping me at this moment. Chapman and Hinckley. I don't have anything. I don't even know if this was a novel, but the thing that popped in my head was something called American Psycho. Didn't they do a TV cable series off of that? I think it was from a novel or a I thought it was short story. Like yeah. a true crime sort of book. Oh. And I would have guessed it was more recent than that, but I don't have anything better right now. Should we lock in with that? You don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I think we need to think about what's a controversial. I think we need to focus on what is a controversial novel. Was there something called like, well, it would have had to have been out probably in the 60s. There was a book called Tropic of Cancer that was controversial. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, I've heard of it, but. uh... I don't know. I'm good with either answer. Can, can Ben, could you read the answer, uh, the question again? Sorry. Yeah, could you yes. read, yeah, the could answer you again, read the answer again, Ben? <laughs> read the answer again, yes. <laughs> I'll read the answer again for the zeroth time. Uh, Mark, <laughs> Mark, Mark David Chapman, the man who shot John Lennon, was carrying what controversial fiction novel when he was arrested? John Hinckley Jr. also cited the novel as inspiration. I still don't have anything. Okay, we're going to lock in American Psycho, even though we know it's wrong. All right. I picked a novel that fits the time frame of being before 1980 and is definitely controversial. Floated past my mind, I guessed The Catcher in the Rye. Correct answer is Catcher in the Rye. All good. Right. Very good. So when I, the, when I said zeroth, that reminded me of, um, I had a friend who was getting married. For the zeroth time? For the first time, but I... I was trying to find a card for her for a gift, and I could not find any wedding cards. Okay. The only card I could find were anniversary cards. 
And so <laughs> I put on the inside, congratulations on your zeroth anniversary. Oh, very good. <laughs> That's, That's great. <laughs> good job, Ben. She was like, what is this? Oh, I see what you did. <laughs> All right. Your last question before the gauntlet is in science. Science, yeah, right. really? Of all the oh no, this is bad. I'm not done. Just saying, it's bad. They have they're good at science, Ben. I'm I haven't finished reading the category yet. Science and things Jonathan is good at. Science and sex. Oh, see, once again, not something Jonathan is good at. <laughs> I don't know how awkward this is going to be with a father-daughter team, but we'll, fi- we'll find out. Great. We, we've got to get them talking about sex. This is obviously, <laughs> this was well-planned, Ben. Yes. Winner. Okay. <laughs> what psychology term defined by Freud as the process of deflecting sexual instincts into acts of higher social valuation? is also a chemistry term defining the transition of a substance from a solid to a gas. I can lock this in. You locked in? I'm locked in. Yeah, we're locked in. I have zero thunder on the Freud part of this, but the transitions from um, phases of matter from solid to gas is skipping the liquid phase. I think Going directly from solid to gas is called sublimation. So I guess sublimation. All right. Solid to liquid is melting and liquid to gas is evaporation. But I remember from chemistry that solid to gas is sublimation. I thought you were going to like talk about the sex part with your dad sitting next to you. That would have been amazing. <laughs> Correct answer Thanks, is... Ben. You're welcome. <laughs> Correct. Especially with Ben. Yeah. Kind of... Looking on and asking questions. Yeah, you've been that bu- sultry been, voice. Like like Barry Wright, White was asking the question. You've been building up all these points. All right, the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> correct answer is sublimation. Now Ben's getting uncomfortable. Oh, that's hilarious. It just got hot in here all of a sudden. All right, uh, Jonathan has one twenty, and Megan and Tom have one thirteen. It is one thirteen to one twenty. All right, and your category for the gauntlet is Mr. Anderson. Oh boy. Okay. Right, so and we're and we're 7 points apart. Uh, I have a 7 point lead. Yep, 120 to 113. So do your wagering based on that. My wager's locked in. We're locked in. Okay. Here's your first question of the gauntlet. Anderson Cooper is a descendant of what wealthy family? whose patriarch was once the richest person in the United States. We're locked in. I'm locked in. Second question. It seems like filmmaker Wes Anderson just can't do his job without featuring what Hollywood legend who appeared in all but one of his films? We're locked in. I am locked in. All right. Your final question in the gauntlet. What UFC fighter, nicknamed the Spider, was once regarded as the greatest MMA fighter of all time? That's a shame. I'm locked in. All right. Okay, we're locked in. We're locked in. All right. All right, Ben. Anderson Cooper is descended of what wealthy family whose patriarch was once the richest person in the United States? Uh, I said Vanderbilt. We also said Vanderbilt. Uh, Wes Anderson can't do his job without featuring what Hollywood legend who appeared in all but one of his films? I have no idea. I don't know who Wes Anderson is. I I had some I I feel like it's a horror genre. And 
I have his name conflated or combined with Wes Craven from from uh, like Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I don't know. I don't think that's a real connection. I think that's just something that got jumbled in my head, but I said Craven. All right. Well, we were thinking Wes Anderson was involved with Nightmare on Elm Street, so this might be totally wrong. But I know a villain in a lot of those horror movies is an actor by the name of Robert England. So we went with Robert England. That's the guy I was thinking of. That's who I meant to say. Wow. Right. My, oh, geez. Even if I'm right, I'm wrong. All right. <laughs> How just, great is you, that? You gotta hate it when How that great is that? <laughs> All right. And what UFC fighter named the Spider was once regarded as the greatest MMA fighter of all time? Uh, I said Silva. Neither of us really know MMA, so we debated should we pick a name that rhymes with the Spider or not? We ended up just picking kind of a generic name and said Billy Anderson. Nice. <laughs> I love it. You give a first and last name. <laughs> all right. All right, so actually decent logic there. I'll explain to you why in a minute. All right, so Addison Cooper is descendant of the Vanderbilt family. Uh, Wes Anderson, um, I think his most famous movie is probably The Royal Tenenbaums. Oh. And all of his movies except his first one features Bill yes. Murray. Oh. Bill Murray. And um, the MMA fighter we're looking for is Anderson the Spider Silva. Um, the reason why your logic is good is because if – if you're guessing MMA, you don't know. You want to guess a Brazilian. And the name Silva in Brazil is like Johnson. Oh, <laughs> so really? if you get a UFC question and you don't know, just guess Silva. It's probably going to be right. <laughs> just guess it. It's, gonna, it's probably going to be right. <laughs> no, they guessed Billy Anderson. No, I'm saying their logic of picking a generic name was good. Oh, just, I see. You know, if you picked a generic Brazilian name, you would have gotten closer to it. The trick to that one was Anderson was the first name. Yeah, which we had no yeah. clue. So we both missed it. This is very much going to come down to wagers. And because you're live and in person, typically I know how something's going to turn out ahead of time because I know what the wagers are on both sides. But today I don't. So this is going to be super interesting to me, at least. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I wagered first. Okay. Okay. Uh, My thought process was that you were seven points down. And to win, if I bet zero, you would need to bet eight. So if you bet eight, that would mean you, if you missed it, you would have, what would you have? You'd have 105. And so I did the math and said, okay, I have 120. I can bet 14 if they bet eight. And if they miss it and I miss it, I'll still have a one point victory. So I bet 14 as my wager. (laughs) We should have bet zero. Instead, we bet eight. Yes. Yes. So, with a final score of 106 to 104, a little bit of wager gaming there. No, 106 to 105. Yeah. A one point victory for Jonathan. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Good game, guys. Good game. Great game. You predicted it would come down to one point, but not this one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Very good. What a finish. That was cool. All right. Are you all ready to read a couple of reviews? Sure. Yeah. First review today is by D. Moore, 1976, and it's a bit of a long one. I found this podcast through Learned League. My first episode was I Come From Math People, and I wasn't immediately a fan. It was hard for me to keep track of the teams, and there seemed to be a lot of inside jokes. It also seemed that there were a lot of people correcting each other with incorrect information. Ben. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm teasing, obviously. 
Uh, I decided to go back to the beginning. I'm still in the back catalog, just past episode 100, and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. I think it helped to get in on the ground floor. I like the format at the beginning between Jonathan and Chris, but like how it evolved as well. I enjoy the banter more now that I feel like I know the cast of characters and even like it when someone corrects another player with info that is also false because that's exactly what it would be like at the pub quiz. If I was on a team with the four of you, I would definitely chime in with my own corrections. That would be wrong a decent amount of time. I'm already dreading the moment when I catch up to current episodes and then have to wait a whole week for each new episode. Hashtag Team Jonathan because I also hate the Patriots, but not Boston. Hashtag Team Chris because he loves the West Wing, and I love how many references he makes to that that no one notices. Per in parentheses, oh me, oh, oh my, oh, oh Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> how about that? That's ironic. Uh, hashtag Team Carmella because there's absolutely no ego in her game, even though she's definitely earned some. And he left you off, Ben. I'm messing with you. You didn't leave me off. And hashtag Team Ben, because he's a great host, it is always clutch at the right moments as a teammate. Keep it up. David Moore from White House, Tennessee. Nice. Thank you, David. Nice. Thank you, David. A much shorter review from Candace Emile. This was on December 31st, 2017. An excellent way to spend my time while I deliver pizza. I enjoy my fellow Scorpio hashtag team Jonathan, whose laugh is contagious, but please give the big Lebowski another chance. Did you even watch it all the way through? Anyway, keep up the good work, everyone. Candace, I did watch it all the way through and I actually watched it again last year mm -hmm. to, to refresh it and see if it was just me. And I, I don't hate it nearly as much after watching it again. Mm -hmm. I, as a 40-year-old, I understand what's going on a lot better than I did when I was 20 the first time I saw it. Right. But it's still not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really quirky. It's polarizing. It's either, quirky. Either you love it or you like whatever. And frankly, uh, you know what? I'm going to skip a review and go to the next one because it's also short and I don't want to read another super long one. I'll come back to that one. This is from Beth's Library. She says, sadly, I do not have a brain for storing and retrieving so much information. Therefore, I enjoy living the pub trivia dream vicariously through this podcast, especially on those rare times when I'm the only one who knew the answer. I know it's probably late for this, but hashtag Team Ben. Oh, thank you. Thank it's you. out of the blue. You know, hey, man. Hey, man. It's like four, four months late, but hey, I love you, Ben. Ain't better late than never, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, now it is time to do our promotions in the Trivial Warfare Army. This is a double up because I didn't get to do this last week while I was out of town. But before I give you those names, big news. We just ran the August Patreon cycle a couple of days ago before I was recording this, and we are officially over Tree Fitty. That's right. We have 350 plus patrons, which has triggered the final boost to the giveaway amounts. Next week, when we record, we're going to be recording our giveaway for the month of August. And that giveaway will be for $250. That's right. Every month that isn't the start of a quarter will be a $250 giveaway. And if it is the start of a quarter, January, April, July, October, it's going to be a $500 giveaway. It's my way of giving back and saying thank you to you guys uh, for all of the support that you give us. 
So I'm really excited to do that. Uh, and these are the people who put us over the top. First up, Sanjay Ramnath. Sanjay, I know I've pronounced your name incorrectly. I, ha- I am hopeless, and I had no chance of doing it. But I still thank you, because you are a new captain in the Trivial Warfare Army. Uh, next up, we have a promotion from Private to Sergeant for the Aggressive Pacifist. Thank you so much to the Aggressive Pacifist. Uh, Charles Harper is a new lieutenant in the Trivial Warfare Army. Welcome, and thank you, Charles. You are joined by Douglas French, also a new lieutenant in the Trivial Warfare Army. Thank you, Douglas. Uh, You guys are joined by two new lieutenants as well. Allison Cobb and Paul Rauch are new lieutenants in the Trivial Warfare Army, each individually. Thank you all so much. Jennifer Wiley Wright has promoted herself from major to lieutenant colonel. Thank you, Jennifer. You are awesome, and I hope you still love it in Wichita. Uh, Michael Smith has joined us as a new sergeant. Thank you, Michael. Madison Gore has joined as a new captain. Welcome, Madison. Thank you so much. Justin Mott is a new major. Welcome, Justin. Thank you. Taryn Kutish has joined us as a new lieutenant. Taryn and I just had the chance to hang out at uh, the Bards in Philadelphia when I was there a couple of weeks ago. That was a ton of fun. Really enjoyed that. And so thankful to you, Taryn, for for everything that you're doing and uh, for now for becoming a lieutenant in the TWA. Next up is Raymond Morse. Raymond is a go big or go home kind of guy. He promoted himself from lieutenant colonel to full colonel. Wow. Raymond, thank you. That's incredible. Dave Meyer is a new lieutenant in the Trivial Warfare Army. And last up this week, Bill S., Bill, I don't know your last name. I'd love to give you credit. All I see is Bill S. So Bill S., uh, which I guess could be pronounced Bills, is uh, is a new lieutenant colonel. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Bill S. As you guys know, this is an independent podcast. If you're interested in supporting us the way that these awesome people are, just go to TrivialWarfareArmy.com and see which tier of support is right for you. All right. Well, guys, before we wrap up, I like to give everybody a chance to promote a cause or share something they care about or even do shout outs and just say hello to people. So, Megan, we'll start with you. Sure. Uh, So, like I said at the beginning, I just moved from Cleveland to Florida and I'm missing those friends up in Cleveland. So I just want to shout out to All in 216, my trivia teammates up there. And if you're in Cleveland and looking for some trivia, check out Cleveland Awesome Trivia. They're a lot of fun. All right. Very cool. And Tom, your turn. I'd like to say hi to the family up in Ohio, who I don't see often enough. And uh, hello to all our friends and family, new family, here in Claremont, Florida. We love it here. Florida's a great state, and we're enjoying every minute of it. It's super hot. I'll give it that. I've been here for 20-plus years, and I still hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, But I don't like super warm weather. Well, you don't have to shovel it, though. Anybody that's coming to move here, I say, you know, to prep for the weather, basically walk around with a wet blanket over your head, and that'll give you a good idea of what the weather's like in the summer. Yeah, exactly. In the heat, yeah. Yeah. That's a good good description. Yep. Just pour some hot water in a towel and put it over your head for an hour. That's what it's like (laughs) walking around here. (laughs) All right, well, that is going to wrap us up. So for Tom, for Megan, for Ben, I'm Jonathan, and this has been another episode of Trivial Warfare, where it's not just trivia, it's war. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Trivial Warfare. To learn more about the show and become a warhead yourself, visit TrivialWarfare.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or in any other good podcast app. And find us on Facebook or Twitter by searching Trivial Warfare. Warm It Up was written and performed by Matthew Stevens. This episode was edited and produced by me, Joel Sharpton. If you need help with your podcast, find it at propodcastingservices.com. Well, I think it's both because when a person gets gored by a bull, right? Like yeah. I think that's it's a noun a and a verb. But that doesn't mean excessive bloodshed. That means the puncturing. True. Right. Yep. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that bit. Good one. Who is Good that one. from? That I wrote that one myself. You did. Great Good question. Good that question. was a fantastic question. Thank you. Congratulations. You're getting better at this. I'm, I'm, I, I should. I should be getting better at it. Right. <laughs> Time. I should be getting better. <laughs> <laughs>So the irony of this is I researched the questions thoroughly and I still have backup questions ready to go. Uh, You know, I've been trying to make sure I didn't ask anything that's been recently asked. Right. And I still get tripped up on the (laughs) midpoint. (laughs) Oh.